and that's my lipstick. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. This is Gay and Bruno, host and producer of Yes, Between the Sheets podcast, hopefully on the first and third Friday of every month. Thank you for joining us. You can follow me on Instagram, QTEbrett. If you want to call in, although you never call in, 323-524-2599. The, uh, the number will appear on our screen. Um, I'm very camo-y today. Um, so uh, let's see. What cars go? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, without further ado, um, I think yeah, I think we can start the show. Wow. Okay. Sorry, we were a little late. Um, so we will start with the roundtable on Zoomy Zoom Zoom. I have someone who hasn't been here for a while because she's <clears throat> excuse me been very busy. Miss Cheryl Murphy. Hi, everyone. I just hey. want to say it's great to be here. And I was so lucky. I worked on a charity today for Lahaina. So blessings to Lahaina. Aww. I was able to do readings. All the donations went to helping Maui. So aloha, everyone. Beautiful. <laughs> well, welcome back. Yeah, I miss you guys. Miss you. Uh, then um, also via Zoom, Zoom, Zoom is Sheena Metal. Hi, everybody. How are you? Hey. I basically Hello. sat naked on my bed and told fortunes while I held a cat. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Let me just look at that. That yeah, sounds that's very familiar to me. Visualizing. And then we have on the boards, um, you know, owner of United Broadcasting Network. By the way, we rebranded the Facebook page of United Broadcasting Network. What's it called, Tony, now? UBN Go Podcast Studios. So UBN Go Podcast Studios. I I just looked at it. I liked when I liked it. It still stayed like. But if I che- if you want to check it, make sure you like it. If not, then look it up and then like <laughs> it because there's a lot of other great shows that are on this network. Um, so please, you know, support, 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 support. And quite frankly, we're non-union, so we're allowed to do this shit. <laughs> so this is about the only entertainment, real entertainment, you're going to get live. during the live during the strike. <laughs> um, and then on to the left of me, welcome back, Cara Noble. Hey, sweetheart. Yeah, hi everybody. I'm actually, what am I today? I am a voice artist, but I'm also a landlady. Ah. Because my ADU is almost finished. Fabulous. So you've got a rentor? I haven't yet, but uh, it's, um, I'm, I'm on my way now. I have a garage. It's turned into a little house in my, in my front yard. And it Wonderful. Really, you must come see it. Well, yeah, I would like to come see it. By the way, my birthday party, my 6-0 is happening this year. And Cara so graciously, although it's my usually my 60th, my, my birthday party and Cara's holiday party. So if you haven't gotten an invitation from me, you will probably get an invitation from Cara. But I just want to say thank <laughs> you again for hosting another one of my crazy lesbian birthday parties. I love your parties. <laughs> I love your friends. And you know what? They make the best fucking food. <laughs> I'm very excited about this party. Well, I truly, usually, you know, this year I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll just have it catered, meaning, you know, asking her, can I have a food truck and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then I started telling people I'm going to get the food truck. I'm going to get the food truck. And everyone's like, yeah, but that's going to be like one kind of food. Like we really love the whole idea Mm -hmm. of the potluck. So I'm like, okay, I know it may sound like 
you know, chintzy, but I'm not chintzy. But it's like, you know, it may sound like, it may look like, you know, tacky. But you know what? People want, people no, like I it. I love doing Come that. Come on, you lesbians are fabulous. No, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, oh I'll God. do it. And, you know, and this time, seriously, I really do not want any gifts. You know, I, I mean, if you're going to put it out there, put it out there in a really cool dish. You know, spend the money on the dish. I don't need anything. Thank God I'm blessed and in gratitude. I really don't need anything at all. So um, anyway, it's going to be fun. Um, to the right of me, a newcomer to our panel here. I'm very excited. She's joining us again. It's Ammo O'Day. Hello. Ooh. Ooh. So my birthday is, is Tuesday, actually. I'll be 51. I don't know. What why the do is, these young people? I don't people, know what the hell is going on. Why do these young people <laughs> have to either give me, when you say, hey, <laughs> what's your birthday? You know, the young people have no problem giving their year. No, I know. Yeah, and then they have no problem saying, oh, I'm 51. Hey, to me, that's old. <laughs> yeah, but to me. Like in my body. Like, I, wait a minute. You know, I'm, I'm, are we suddenly, like, I'm are post. I'm post. I am age shaming. Oh no! Well, I'll tell you all right now. You wait, can, wait. the older I get, I will I will start age shaming wait, you. I, wait, I'll be fifty one, but I'm also post menopausal already. Oh, yeah. I have mine at thirty five. Yeah, Top that, I went maybe. in. I went into it in like two months into the pandemic. So oh. I'm technically much older than that's 51. quite good. You were grouchy at home. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I was grouchy. Me and my two cats. My cats hated me because every time they laid on me, I was like, "Get off of me! I'm sweating." Yeah. It was a, a hot mess, say, literally. Why are we age shaming? Like I'm only 56. Like, yeah, you know what? Fuck a lot of you. I'm the oldest. Like, right. I know. I didn't expect her to have that response. I well, like, no, wow. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy <laughs> for you. No, I'm happy for you. Yeah, you know. Excellent. I'm happy for everyone. <laughs> but um, without further ado, uh, <laughs> I keep saying that, just moving this shit along, um, is we have a guest tonight. Um, I always say it's three times is a charm. This is, I think, the third time because we, you know, if she did, if she wouldn't, you know, she was ill one time and then we rescheduled. So I knew this was going to happen. And thank you, Mona, for hooking us up with your client. I'm very ecstatic about finally this is happening. Um, <laughs> And she is an, um, I'll let her fill in about her life, but I know her. I don't really know her. I'm meeting her right now, probably 15 minutes before the freaking show, but um, <laughs> not even 15 minutes, five minutes. Uh, she is, I'm going to read this off of Amazon because I, I, I'm really bad in retaining shit. Um, even though I went to Catholic school, the retention genes are That's starting. That's why. <laughs> the retention shit. It was shit. smacked out of you. It was smacked the, the fuck out of me. Um, yeah. It's uh, she's an author, but of course she's done other things. Um, her name is Marissa Alma. Oh my God, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> what? Marissa Alma, Nick. I said, you know, I, I know this. I'm t you you have no idea what kind of day I had today, so I really apologize. I was like this close to canceling the show one more fucking time. Um, but she has a book. She's an author, uh, Rebel in Venus. Um, I'm going to read it very quickly. Um, it takes place over one girl's night in in spent between best friends Maria and Layla. Over the course of the witty and unexpected evening, Layla's memory is jolted and her once carefully repressed past begins to return to her, triggering a sequence of events that ultimately jeopardizes Layla's unconventional life. In Rebel and Venus, the bold and sometimes brutally honest stories that unfold are filled with sexual revelations, 
Hmm. High school humiliations, not so good. <laughs> Unwanted pregnancies, <laughs> unwavering friendships. I don't even that don't even talk about that shit there. Um, that that's a whole other thing. Um, sex work, which is terrible. Divorce and loss. As the confessions unfold, Layla's anguished past starts to crystallize and challenges the strength of her friendship with Maria as well as Layla's own life. Will Layla learn to save herself in time, or will her past win over her ability to see a future? Um, this is getting really good reviews. I mean, I'm looking it up on Amazon, but um, really getting really rave reviews. You can find it on Amazon. I'm sure there's other places you can find it, but that's always my go-to for shit. Um, I'm only. I'm, I mean, I know the minute I die, I'm gonna like like suddenly there's gonna be this stock. I'm gonna get so much fucking stock of ownership in Amazon because that's all I fucking do is buy from these people. Um, but anyway, so welcome to the show, Marissa. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. That was the best introduction ever <laughs> uh, this is completely like like i said um like what mona said what, what kind of show is it i mean she knew about it but i said it's really there's no planned it's off the cuff nobody gets any cue cards or topics whatever it's just really conversational so welcome i'm glad you're calling in from miami or you know from florida so thank you for staying yeah. up late although you're really young and you usually would go out at this time but not now um <laughs> So tell us a little bit about yourself besides that you're in Aquarius, did she say? Yes. An Aquarius. So you're in Florida. So tell us how you came to be. <laughs> like why I was born? Yeah, why um, were you born? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm an only child. Me too. Um, yeah. It sucks. Oh, amazing. When you it's turn, so when, by the way, when you get my age... It's going to suck big time. But go ahead. We're all 78 here. <laughs> you know my mom's yeah, an only child, too. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk <laughs> offline. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a new author because I've been dancing and choreographing professionally for since forever. And then I... Uh, both of my meniscuses tore while performing in two separate performances. Oh, and Yikes. yeah, damn, for real. Oh. Um, and that was in December 2019 was the first meniscus tear. Oh, and then um, two weeks later, I feel like I've I, I sometimes like I lack emotion when I say this sometimes because I gotten so used to just accepting the redundancy of it. But so I had the the meniscus tear, and then two weeks later. While in crutches, my best friend, she committed suicide. <gasps> and then oh two God. months, like a month, two months later, the pandemic yeah, like set in. Right before. Yes, it was a lot. And um, I am an artist where I need to process things through art. And I had started this show, Rebel in Venus, in 2018. And I, I usually take a few years to really develop a show um, with my company. and you know, the, the knee happened, life happened. And I could, and like, I couldn't get in the studio with the dancers either. So I had to finish something I started and went to back to writing, which is something I hadn't done publicly ever. So this is the first time I'm like publicly announcing myself as an author. Yay. Very cool. Congrats. So you're Cuban, Thanks. your mom's Cuban. Mm -hmm. No, my dad, my dad was born in Havana. And came to Miami in 1959 when he was eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. And your mom's yes. the, the Jewish side. 
No, actually, my dad is also the Jewish wait, side. So there's, wait, 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 hold on, wait. Jewish, yeah, and because my mom, my mom got the, uh, she did, it's not baptism, it's, she did the, like, she became an honorary Jew. Yeah. Um, but, right, yeah. Mm-hmm, but technically, I'm not Jewish because my mom's not Jewish. But I had a bar mitzvah at Temple Israel when I was 13 in downtown Miami. Which, <laughs> uh, like, so I'm like legit. <laughs> you got the card uh, and everything, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Card carrying. Yeah. <laughs> my mom is from Hollywood, Florida. She Her background is German Scottish. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And that sounds like a dog. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly. So I'm like, you know, full mutt. Um, yeah. And they met like they're both from Miami, like and but then they met in Atlanta. And then I have this like mafia background too from my mom's side and my dad's side, which is also like a like a, a very Miami history based thing as well. Right, because everybody blames the Italians for being mafia, but the real people who were mafia were the Jews. <laughs> they were stronger than the Italians. They were? I think they still are. No, I mean, I was talking about back in the day when you talk about, wow. you know, old school. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like I get my hustle from, like, this side of my family. It's like, I know also, like, they migrated. It was, like, Holocaust to Cuba, and then, like, Batista and Castro, and it was, like, move again. So it was, like, two times like losing everything and starting from scratch. It's horrible. So like that sort of like feisty determination. Yeah. Minus all like the illegal shit. Right. Um, I'm really happy <laughs> that I inherited. <laughs> well, you're also, I mean, you know, I consider Florida East Coast. You know what I mean? So you've got that edge mm-hmm. i mean i have the edge she has the edge yep the rest of you i'm sorry but i mean <laughs> i just had a wedge you had a wedge yeah. you had a wedge not an edge <laughs> um but so um so like how did you get into dancing like since that was your initial passion like mm-hmm. you know you were very young when you got into it correct yeah uh, my parents put me in a lot of activities at at three it was like a thing and i stuck with dance from three on like i had like i really loved it um, so I took it very seriously from a very young age, went to all like the art schools, even I went to the magnet school for uh, middle school at a conservatory for high school. It was all like the movie fame that uh-huh. was my high school in Miami. Um, then I went to get my BFA in dance performance, moved to LA after college, um, to do commercial dance, signed with an agent, like, you know, movies, commercials, music videos, because all the girls at the studio that I grew up with, like, <coughs> that's what they did, and I wanted to be like them. How um, long did you live here? From 2007 to 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, I was something, for me, wasn't clicking there, and I thought I really was going to move to Europe. Uh, the dance scene in Europe was so my thing it's like you know raw dance theater it's right. crazy dramatic um and so i was gonna do that and i took uh my last job was rock of ages the movie and they made the filming in miami and i hadn't been back in miami and um i was here and it was just different and a lot of people that i had gone to high school with the visual artists musicians people were back here just doing shit, and it was really messy and really fun and exciting um and funding was coming in so I stayed here and I started the com- I started my company. Very cool. Yeah. I love Miami. I worked on CSM. Well, I had my aunt. She lived in Boca, 
And um, okay. so I spent a lot of time there. And then when she passed away, she left me the house in Boca. And then I'm like, I don't want to be in Boca. So I sold the house. But I also concurrently worked with CS- at CSI Miami. And that was like in the cool 90s days of South Beach. And yeah. that was crazy fun. I, I mean, that was like crazy fun. Instead of like, I feel privileged because in the 80s, I was between London and New York because that was the scene. And then the 90s, the scene was Miami. And I like lived that too. And it was fabulous. And now I'm still addicted to Miami because my guilty pleasure is the real housewives. But the only one I watch are the was Miami. Because I love that. I love the Cuban, the, like I love the culture. I love the diversity. And those crazy fucking Cubans are fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Gan, Gan, I yes. could see you down in Miami. I could see you as a Miami girl. I got you. Yes. Yeah, I could. Um, it's just yes. the fucking humidity, you know. Um, other than that, I'd be good. Um, but it, it's like, I, like I love the fight. I mean, those women on the at least the Miami housewives, they make lesbian drama seem tame. Mm. <laughs> seen any of those shows i need to i can't watch one i, I really I might like it i really yeah i think that's the problem i'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like I can't do I it dance. i can't do it yeah it's like crack can't yeah. do it yeah i just I, that's only one only one only one 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 but um i think it's because i miss that miami I, thing i think they are doing a new jersey one they oh, new jersey was one of the first ones after orange county and those are a bunch of those are really mafia nut jobs okay oh, oh, i mean yeah, they all went they were all indicted all that shit husbands oh. were indicted it was so it was basically like a real sopranos yeah like yeah. a real soprano gotcha i already saw the soprano wow. yeah you don't have okay. to watch real people do it, 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 it james gandolfini and my oh i think i love this woman the one who played the wife that i can't remember what her name is oh, oh, oh. Edie, Edie falco, falco. Yeah, Edie yes. falco. they 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 nailed it yeah so yeah. um so tell us about the book. So what was, I mean, I know that you had gone through all this stuff, this heavy stuff. What was the real inspiration of the book? Or what, like, you know, I know that all led you to it. You were lacking creativity, so you focused on, and channeled your rec- creativity in the book. But who are Maria? Who is Leila? Yeah. Um, Layla and Maria, they're these two best friends, and they were inspired de- definitely by my own experience, the, um, a biomythography that's like this term that Audre Lorde, uh, Lorde sorry, coined of blending memoir and fiction. Um, so it is really inspired by my story, but also a lot, a lot of elements of fiction. So like I told you how that year was for me. Um, again, the piece I was already processing, Me Too, happened in, in 2018. And it, it did for me, I was one of those people that it, it gave me space to examine my own, um, my own stories, my own trauma. And so I started, that's where the, the show started as a dance. And it was funny because instead of going into the studio for rehearsals where I would normally come in with choreography, I was coming in with ID, like conversations. So we were talking and it was literally like our own Me Too moment. It was very candid. It was like, I was like this one time I dated this guy and uh, I woke up and, you know, I was, he, was, he was fucking me. And, but I didn't say anything. I just let him keep going. And I was like, that made me feel some type of way. And all nine dancers were like, yeah, that happened to me too. Mm-hmm. And then the discussion was like, how come you didn't say something? I don't know. Did, like, could you say something? And like, we had all these questions. And it was less of like a, like a blame game of like somebody did something to me. And it was more of like, how and why did this happen? And what else might have happened? And what's this shame that we're carrying? So that really inspired me. 
and also um, mental health. And so it was like these ideas of trauma and 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 mental health how they go in hand in hand. There was also this um, element of queerness. So I was like, what was really important for me as I examined my own sexual trauma, people will be like, oh, well, that's why you're gay. That's why you like women. And this really pissed me off because yes, like both existed, but they didn't, one had nothing to do with the other. And so, and also because mental health and suicide is so prevalent in the, in the gay community, queer community, I was really intentional of sending this message of we have trauma, but being gay is not the trauma. That's not a traumatic thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's something to, to own, to be empowered by. So that really also drove Layla's character. That's the main character who's uncovering all this trauma with her best friend, Maria. And um, she's very unapologetic uh, about these things because they have this, um, I wanted to write a friendship that went beyond the surface, you know, beyond the good times, beyond the parties that we have in Miami. And they're super Miami girls. These two are like as Miami as it comes, <laughs> you know? And so they go out, they smoke, they drink, they dance, but they also keep it very real. And this is, that night is that conversation. And the, the other thing that really drove it, and it's probably the most vulnerable part, is my friend that I lost to suicide. Her, her, um, her note said something of, I don't wanna be a burden to my friends and family. And that really stuck with me, her depression and things that that she battled with. And so and I also like that experience also awakened my own depression. It sort of uh, like very blindly showed me what what could happen to me if I didn't start to deal with things that were starting to run my own life. So I was like, what if I write a book about someone like my friend or like myself and is more of a hero instead of a burden? So you could, I, so I could see myself. So people like me could see ourselves as, as a hero and not a burden. Um, so that was another, like, that was probably the biggest thing. And so like, I wrote this conversation between Maria and Layla as this sort of fantasy of what the kind of conversation I would have liked to have with that friend mm. that I lost and like, what could have, what, what could have happened possibly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So your friend helped you write the book your girlfriend she 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 helped you you know express and kind of go deeper because there's so many layers that you're bringing up there's a, she there's was a... there the whole time and also her dog like so the day she died it was the first 20 january 1st 2020 and the first my first response aside from an emotional one was like waffle her dog this like dog that she had for 10 years that was like her best friend this little um russell's griffin so i took him in and so while i wrote through all this too like i had this like this little, I never had a dog before. Like it was so bizarre for a while. So it was also like having this um, presence of her at the same time also like, yeah, like allowing me to bleed all over the computer because it, it, there was like that moment while writing where I was like, if I'm gonna say it, like if I'm gonna do this, I need to do it. Like I can't brush the surface. I gotta just like say it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very powerful because, I mean, there's just such a big release I can hear in your voice, you know, about how many people you're going to help with this book. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're getting emails or response, right, about people thanking you for, you know, putting something out there that's helping people have a voice or, you know, helping people understand that we, it's so important to express our traumas, you know. It's so important to express uh, what we're afraid of, what we're sad about. Yeah, there's power and vulnerability. 
yeah, you know, it's like we're we're sort of taught the opposite of like be strong, just like you know, mm, push it down, don't you know, don't cry or things like that. Um, so that's yeah, and and some of the feedback at first, even for me, was a little o- overwhelming because it's um, um, that was the hope. I mean, the dedication to the book is for the girls and anybody daring to live a life free of shame. You know, there's also this other element of, and it says it in the description of sex workers. And that was also like, like, I, I, you know, I've been a sex worker. I don't anymore because of my knee injuries and other things, but I've been a stripper for, I've done it for many years. And there was like this idea of, um, of trauma and feminism that there was also this layer of shame that I really wanted to try to like break through um, and like bridge this gap of like how, like for women, if we're going to like fix this like idea of rape culture, we're going to overcome this, like we can't like segregate each other. And so like, let's really look at all the layers of how what it is to own the body and the disruption of boundaries and you know i think that's what art sometimes does is to like give people a world that they may not have access to so some of the cool feedback has been from like straight dudes in their 50s being like (laughs) i want to like i would like my daughter to read this who's like 15 or maybe 20 something things like that yeah, that's really that's like exactly what I hope. <laughs> well, I agree with you is that there like there is power in vulnerability, you know, and you know, for me, you know, I've always been outspoken, blunt. I mean, I I have been raped um and I you know, and when you were saying that, you know, people are like, "Oh, that's why you're gay." It always bothered me it's ridiculous it's the but but that's ignorance and it's like Mm -hmm. you know because it's fear everything Mm -hmm. for me when people can express themselves when people hide behind their trauma it's fear you know and Mm -hmm. and the reactionality is you sit there with this behind this you know it's like you're a fake you know you appear to be one way but inside you're struggling and you know when I started and I've always I've always said I've been raped I've never been ashamed of it because you know what I didn't do anything wrong you know what I mean it was just Mm -hmm. I just happened to be in this situation and I've never again I mean the the listeners have known at least the ladies in the panel I mean I've never played the victim you know I've never Mm -hmm. played the victim it happened moving on but I never allowed it to hold me back and Mm -hmm. I've been and anything even fuck-ups that I've done I have no problem telling people about it it's there's no shame to it and it's funny because you know it is really is interesting because the people who are battling their own demons they don't like people like me Mm. oh yeah they They don't like people like me because it's a reflection and then there's they're Mm -hmm. threatened or and it's like that's not my thing it's Mm -hmm. like you know what when you've been on that side Mm -hmm. You can detect, you are, you can see through people. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm, People are transparent because you know, because you've tried and it don't work. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, I think your book is wonderful. I mean, you know, you're younger, but you're, trust me, you've had a life that probably half of us here haven't even experienced. And, you know, and I mean, a normal response from someone who's, you know, not, elevated or woke if you want to use that words I'm so sorry but I'm not sorry I mean you know it's like we all have this path that we go through and we all have a journey and y'all can speak I mean, you all psychic people yeah. you know you can speak on this you know 
I do believe things happen for a reason. It's part of our journey, and it's to mm-hmm. catapult us mm-hmm. to, I believe, where we're supposed to be in life. Well, yeah, if you don't go through anything, how are you supposed to, like, I, you know, how are you supposed to really live? Because then you're just in this, like, la-la land of, like, everything's happy and shiny and <laughs> See, and when people say that. That's so creepy. When I see people, you know, like, like that, I'm like, oh, what is wrong we with have you? A per- <laughs> no, we have a perfect relationship. Yeah. Yeah, there's no such thing. Yeah, we I have mean, a perfect <laughs> friendship. Yeah, yeah, there's no such thing. Yeah, I mean. Those I are have, delusional. Like, I have been a stripper and a dom. I spent many years in the sex industry when I was younger. I spent years doing burlesque. I have a lot of friends that are still doing all those things. Um, you know, and the, you know, the, the sisterhood that is created from those type mm-hmm. of experiences, like, even though I don't do it anymore, like, I still talk to all these people. We still have, like, their Instagram is still crazy, and I'm still like, oh, girl, you know, look those shoes. I'd probably break my neck if I tried to wear them now, you know? <laughs> like, all the, you know, all those funny stories. It's like, it's like, you know, I, and, you know, I wouldn't even be, like, if I wanted to, I've had thoughts of even doing it now. I'm like, oh, I'm like, because I'm such a different person. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm just like yes, yeah. you bring a whole new energy. Yeah, to it would now. be a whole different thing. I'm and old, maybe I'm flashy old. shoes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe a little. Maybe not like eight inches. Maybe like five inches or something. You know, um, I'd like to say something really quick about um, how women treat each other. Yeah. Like we like to go around and brag, like I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist. Well, then don't judge your friend who's a stripper, exactly. or your friend who's a, a porn star or a prostitute, because yeah. guess what? Um, part of female empowerment mm-hmm. is empowering women to be whatever they want to be and express their bodies yep. in any way that they want. I just want to point out that. Okay, sorry, continue. I think to 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 shame women mm-hmm. for what they do is for us to become what we claim men are. Oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. um, you know what it's, I mean. If, yeah. if you really mm-hmm. want to be a feminist, then respect a woman's right to do whatever she's doing. I mean, as long as she's not hurting another person yeah. right we never we never respect anyone's right to be a narcissist sure i had i had major and issues. there we go <laughs> i had i had major issues when pole dancing became a popular thing like the housewives were doing yeah it. and they were like but i'm not a, <laughs> but I, you know they're like oh but i'm not a stripper though i'm just i'm just right. doing i'm just Why doing not? it for fun i'm like go fuck yourself right. You know, like, exactly. yeah, like you're doing, you're it, like, I'm not good enough to make any money. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but it's like the fact that they were doing this thing that was popularized by, right. by sex workers. And, and that's the, the very next thing out of their mouth is, oh, but I'm not a stripper. I'm like, right. It's like, yeah, but you are doing this because of strippers. Because you're looking at strippers and you're looking at them going, if I do that, my man or whatever is going to find me hotter. Look, I'm going to say, I mean, I like, agree. that's where there are a lot, a, a lot of them, not all. Well, those are those fucking stupid women them. because well, they don't yeah. empower themselves because exactly. they define themselves by their husband. And I'm sorry, but that shit is difficult. It is hard. Yeah. Oh my God. I can imagine. <laughs> I can, yeah, it is not. This is all upper body strength. Look, Jesus. look, yeah. it's so funny. If you asked me, and so and this is because I'm just odd, I guess. But, you know, first of all, if I was thinner, like what if I was like, I, I mean, I have that stupid hourglass body, which I'm happy with now, but I will be sorry. Stupid. Hold on. We don't kill for that. Shh, I hope I, I was fat. But I mean, <laughs> if, I mean, it intrigued me, you know what I mean? To like, to be mm-hmm. a, a, like a, da- a club dancer. Yeah. But if you asked me, and my friend Jerry Joe in New Jersey, well, now she's in New York, knows this. I was always, we were like Lucy and Ethel. I was always the schemer. And I said to her, 
you know, when everybody was talking about, you know, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer, I said, I have a plan. <laughs> and she's like, what? Do you, what? I said, I think I think I figure something that we can do. I don't know. Maybe I was in maybe I was in eighth grade, maybe the beginning of high oh. school. And she's like, what are we doing? And the Mayflower Madam, the movie with Candace Bergen had just come out. And I said, I think this is what we should do. And she's like, what? I said, I think we should create this environment just like her. I mean, of course, I wasn't thinking illegal, okay? I, <clears throat> I said, you know, we can do this, but this way, like, all the women, you know, they will have medical, they will, you know, I, I really, I really wanted to be a madam. That was like one of the first, after, and then I wanted to be an actress. But the first thing I wanted to really be was a madam to take care of these women and not make them be like streetwalkers. You know what I mean? To provide this safe, yeah. clean, health environment. And I don't think I've ever told anybody this in a really long time. But that's sort of where my head was at. So You, you know, should but it, still do it. Let's see. <laughs> when I retire, I can. Um, but... The point is, is like, you know, I grew up in a family that was very open minded, meaning that, yes, there were rules, you know, there were rules and that was the only rules to protect me as opposed to my parents never quashed my ideas. They would go, OK. I mean, I think I probably told them this. And they go, okay. So it, it, they never encouraged it, <laughs> no. but nor did they quash it. You know what I mean? And I think growing up in an environment where you're supported and your ideas are supported, even if they're crazy harebrained, you know, I think that's important, especially for women. Because boys are always mm -hmm. patted on the back. You know, exactly. a boy does something stupid you know, or ridiculous or just so dumb and he's applauded and accolades. A woman does the same friggin' thing and they're like, oh, that's good. And I don't know if that still happens, oh, yeah. but that was happening when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I just want to clarify. Still... I'm sorry. Oh, no, just, go ahead. Sorry. I just want to clarify, Gan, that it's in your contract for your work that you are not allowed to moonlight as a madam until you retire. That's exactly <laughs> so right. That's no, no I, I'm aware of that. I am completely aware of that. I, I, I know that. I am not acting on it. I've got to make some money. But I, and it's so funny because I always sit there and go, I'm not going to sleep with anybody because I'm a lesbian, you know. But, but then I could do well. But then I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do it. I just want to just, you know, I want to create this great environment so it doesn't put shame on what these women are doing. You know, everybody has a passion, you know? Some people, unfortunately, do it because they have to. But some people, like, I know, I mean, I know a whole, I knew, I knew, a whole bunch of people in the porn industry at one point, mm -hmm. and they really enjoyed what mm -hmm. they did. It wasn't because they have to pay the bills. It was, they really, that was their passion. And if you, yeah, and if you. The, like, the, the, oh, <laughs> somebody said something, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That um, a lot of things that people miss in the sex industry, whatever job you have under that umbrella, like boundaries are so important. That's the difference between sex work and sex trafficking. Yes. So sure. if somebody is being taken advantage of or not bringing their money home or these things, that's a sex trafficking situation. Someone who lacks agency, mm -hmm. not just of their body, but of their, their monetary gain from that moment. Yes. And a sex worker tends to thrive at mm. boundaries, very clear, very clear boundaries yes. for me. And that's like, I use that in the book because Layla, something that I related to, was she discovered while working in the strip club that she lacked the ability to create boundaries for herself, even with strangers where they were offering her money. 
And so mm -hmm. it was like awakening and also seeing other women create very clear boundaries for themselves and her realizing that she couldn't was almost like, yeah, like a punch in the face. Um, and I'm like, also uh, the sisterhood, like <sighs> one of you said that, that is such a, like one of the bait, like, one of the best things that I still miss about the club mm -hmm. is like the dressing room and the oh, girls yeah. and just like the, the most hysterical fucking stories. Mm -hmm. Like I remember, I remember I used to work at this club uh, in Manhattan in Tribeca. It's not like, it's not there anymore. It was called uh, baby dolls. It was, I think it was run by like hell's angels or something. It was totally crazy. It's funny because all <laughs> the girls that I work with there, I still know them. They're all still, we're, we're all still crazy. And there was like a new girl there one day and like, I got up, I remember I got off the stage and I came down the stairs and I smelled burning hair. And now, now I just want to just emphasize, we weren't nude. We had to wear a bikini bottom and we just had to wear a top. And the new girl had her period. And I don't know why it didn't occur to her to just like tuck the string because she's wearing a thong. But she tried to s burn the string <gasps> off what? and ended up like singeing her pussy hair. <laughs> oh, my God. And everybody in the place was just like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, why? Like, no, I guess like nobody caught like nobody caught her with the lighter before she like went to town. And oh she was just God. like, I don't know. I don't I didn't occur to me to like just like tuck it in and we're like oh my god like <laughs> we gotta like have some kind of mental like you have to take a written exam before you work here now make sure you don't burn the place down you know but yeah no the sisterhood thing is huge and the other thing that the origin if you look at, at the origin of sex work it's sacred sex is sacred mm -hmm. it was in temples you know like mm -hmm. it was it was to heal like if you if you really look at the origin of orgasm and there's healing involved like people like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry but like if you know people who have, don't ever get laid they are angry and miserable for a reason because mm -hmm. your body is supposed to have that experience like not necessarily constantly but like it's supposed to do that mm -hmm. otherwise it wouldn't constantly is it, good. otherwise <laughs> it, yeah totally but i mean it, you know it's supposed to happen and you know your body's supposed to release that energy you know so the you know the origin of these jobs was you know and i'm sorry but those workers are keeping rape from happening you know, mm -hmm. because if those women did not exist, then who, know, the who, who like, knows what these men would be doing, mm. you know? Yeah, well, and that's the thing is most of the time, the customers, and again, like, different shifts. So, like, I didn't like the nighttime because that's usually, like, frat boys or birthday parties oh, yeah. and the younger guys who mm -hmm. are not spending as much money, but, yep. like, super drunk. Mm -hmm. But the day shift. Sounds was fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Day shift was great um, because they were, they tended to use like, honestly, usually the customers were married or with kids. So they didn't go out like that on the weekends. They mm -hmm. did it like during lunchtime yeah. and they would come in with a really specific ask and it was rarely your average lap dance. It was mm -hmm. more like really interesting fetishes, like the extremes of like getting kicked in the balls with your stiletto, oh, yeah. sucking on your stiletto and being held like a baby. There's a lot of shoe sucking in those places. Yeah. A lot of yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> the, can I brush your hair? Like, don't move. That one made me a little uncomfortable. That's oh, yeah. probably the one that made me, I was like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I was just like, don't touch my hair. No. <laughs> yeah. my, I, I, I immediately went, oh, no, don't touch my hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like the girls too, was like, I think I also realized like I had good friends. I have good friends, but it was so funny. I was like, man, these girls, like they really talk about shit. Like there is 
no like the club I worked at was full nude so it's almost Mm -hmm. like there's no filter here there's no filter here yeah and so that also really shifted my idea of like my friendships I was like we're not talking about shit Like we're not, that's like, we're not talking about the things that are like a little dirty or uncomfortable or taboo, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, these are the things that we all need to express or talk about because that is where like the weird stuff happens, rape, assault, because there are these repressed, confused feelings that like really need an outlet. Right. It's one of the things I miss about that is just like, that like you can't have conversations like that with any room of people. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you can't just be like, yeah, so uh, this girl, like, set her tampon on fire and the thing. It's like, you can't just say that to anybody. Be like, wait, you know, there has to be a whole thing. And, like, why were you there? And, uh, it's like, oh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to bring that up. Ah, forget I said anything. You know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tampons are, like, part of, like, burlesque, like, stripper-like stories. Like, there's, like, I've never, like, I've seen so many, like, girls put tampons in because of that life. Like, oh, yeah. just, like right there I know you're just like you don't it doesn't even dawn on you Mm -mm. it's funny I used to I used to work at this club uh called the Blue Angel and it was it was the first burlesque uh like like a comeback uh show that was happening it was in Tribeca it was owned by this German woman named Uta Hanna and yeah she was severe like German woman she was awesome and um, it was you know around the time uh, it was before you know Giuliani really came into New York and messed everything up Um, so it was this really small place and the cool part is there were no mirrors there were no poles there was a stage there's two stages one you had to come through a red curtain and then there was another stage that you could dance on but you had to do something like you couldn't just come out there and just kind of like I mean you could come out and roll on the floor and everybody you know kind of did that but it was this whole other experience and on the weekends it besides the strippers there was like belly dancers and fire breathers and comedians and it was totally insane like Drew Barrymore came there uh, Demi Moore was there researching her like her strip uh, performance thing it was it was crazy place and there was this one the reason why I'm bringing it up is because of the tampon story that there was one girl she was amazing she called herself malaria <laughs> and and she made she made uh, she worked during the day making um, making amputee body parts. Oh, oh my okay? god! Okay, so she like she would come in with the most she would come in with the most insane acts, and like she always had this crazy prosthetic makeup on and just totally insanity. Whoa. And one day, she came out, and she didn't have a costume on; she just had like a dress on, and everybody was like. Oh my God! What is she gonna do? Because like we knew that like her whole thing revolved around like a lot of props, and like <laughs> that she didn't have anything, and we were like, "Oh no! Like this is gonna this is gonna be bad." So like we all like sat in the back of the room. We're like we didn't want to be anywhere near her because we we're like we knew something was gonna. And she pulled her tampon like out while she was. I we still don't know. Oh, Jesus. We still don't know. <laughs> we still don't know if it was a real. She still she never admits. She's like I'm not. It's uh, artist uh, integrity, I'm not telling you. But she, like, <laughs> she was in the middle of her show, like, just acting completely like a normal stripper. And then all of a sudden, she was, like, pretending she was getting a cramp. And then she was just, like, you know, and, she, and then she took it out, and she was just smearing oh, blood, okay. like, everywhere. Okay. I mean, it oh was, like, but, again, I don't, again, I don't think it was, re- I mean, it might have been. But yeah. I don't, I think, I, I feel like we would have smelled that. 
But anyway. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> but, I'm going to get off this subject in a few <laughs> seconds. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Between the Sheets here on. <laughs> We're done with that story. She, she's going to regret that she <laughs> yeah. ever asked me to. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Between the Sheets here on the United Broadcasting Network, 323-524-2599. We're here with our guest, Marissa Almanick. She has a wonderful book available everywhere on Kindle. As I mean, on Kindle. On the Amazon as well called Rebel and Venus. Um, we're not we're not quite done yet, but I needed to <laughs> stop this fucking story. I mean, I, there's like, I, whoa, okay. <laughs> Did you read your book, Marissa? Did you have you done it? Have you read your book? Is it you reading? Well, uh, have I read it like out loud? Yes. Are you like? Can we buy you reading it? Yes, actually, actually, I just finished um, two weeks ago recording. I'm the narrator. I did the narration for the book, and cool. the audiobook will be out October 7th safely. Um, we were, I was trying to get it out a little sooner, but October 7th. Yeah, yes, cool. That's awesome. Me, awesome. You can take me with you. So my question <laughs> is, obviously, with the film business being the way it is right now, is that, I mean, like, obviously, do you have an agent? I mean, will he, he, she, um, are you planning to maybe try and opt it? for either a TV movie or for something on streaming? I a thousand percent want that. That's my plan. I've already copywritten it, but no, I don't have that yet. That would be the next step. The book just came out three months ago to today. No, la yeah, a week ago it came out three months ago. Um, but it's very, you know, it's like, it's I blended genre writing, you know? And so I did, and it's written, it's not a script, but I wrote the dialogue specifically as scripts. Um, so it was also really <laughs> funny narrating it. Um, I've never like my, my best friend, she's an actress. Um, and I grew up watching her do all her like juries and thespian classes. So like I met with her for a couple weeks of like crash course. Cause I was like, I'm voice acting. Like we're doing this. I wrote like these two people that I'm going to have to be. And it wasn't like descriptive writing. So where I could describe now somebody's going to speak and say this, I just had to to do it so hopefully somebody hears the audiobook and gets a clear sample of how amazing this is going to be on screen <laughs> awesome all right if you Very if nice. it gets to screen who would you who would you cast to play um who would you love to cast to play both either layla and maria wow um it's funny i haven't thought about that uh I'm on the spot, right? And I'm like, it's like actresses are flooding through my head. Um, it's funny. I think of my best friend and she's not a famous actress. She's done like, you know, here and there shows right now, but she's who I had in mind because you have to have somebody in mind. Mm -hmm. So she was the Maria character that I have in mind. Um, but God, I, I feel like I'm failing this. So answer. is, no, no, <laughs> no. So in essence, is Layla a compilation of a little bit of you? She is. Yeah. She's, um, you know, it's, she is, she really is. It's it, Layla is so much me. Uh, she's, she's very identical, very close to me. And that's, that's just the truth. Um, I haven't read the book. Know. So the book is, there's an ending to the book, right? Or mm -hmm. have Absolutely. you, so you haven't set it up where, you know, the next adventures or the next adventures. Well, kind of, because it, there is a clear ending, but I always wrote it with the possibility of a continuation because there, so without giving anything away, the book is at a, if anybody's ever had a crisis moment and you start 
therapy or healing, you sort of start looking at your life in, in backwards. I'm using the wrong word, but like in retrospect, uh-huh. there you go. Um, and so it's the book is written for this, like she's, she's, how does somebody come to the idea that they might need to do things a little bit differently? They need to ask for help. And so, but it's like, what I didn't write is what happens with somebody once they really do start dealing with all this shit. Um, how does that change your relationships, your life? Um, and that's, that's an interesting journey, especially since it's something I've been living in real time through all this. And so it's, it's very much in there, but so that could be easily a part two and a continuation of how the book ends, which is also, I mean, there's so much dark shit, there's suicide and stuff. So I was also, it, it ends on a, on a note with hope, which is also important, you know, because suicide is the other epidemic in our country right now. So I wanted to like, that's why it would be so amazing to see a a book for me as a dancer, we only have a niche audience. So as big as I got as a choreographer, only this many people are watching dance and talking about it. So the idea of getting into a book has been really exciting that I can reach that many more people. And then the idea of the screen, that's where everybody is, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so. Have you been doing a book? Did you do a book tour? I mean, have you done a, a virtual book tour? Uh, not virtual, actually, which I don't know, I haven't done, but I've been in person. Um, I've done a couple places in Miami. Um, when the book released, I did it at Books and Books. And um, I'm going to New York to Blue Stockings. Um, I love that Soho place. The, yeah, yeah I've been there. there um, I'm so excited. It's my first yeah. time. I'm really excited. Very cool. I'm a, New- I'm a New Yorker. So like I was in that neighborhood all the time. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm going to be there. Um, my friend Yara Travieso, she's an amazing queer artist, feminist. She's going to do a moderation with a Q&A for me there. Very cool. I also, there's another, um, I've basically been targeting queer and feminist bookstores around the country. So that's that's the route nice. I'm doing with that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Can so I when did you, oh, sorry, go ahead, Cheryl. Uh, I was going to ask Marissa the title of your book. Like, uh, did you start with the title in mind or did it evolve to the title? Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, the the title came with the, with the show when I was building the show, and um, it was you know this idea and it, it carried through with what what the book is. They're they're the same, just one's a show, one's a book. Um, but there was this idea of a couple of things like Venus is like you know this like sort of. Uh, common goddess that a lot of women refer to the you know the goddess of femininity and divine and all this stuff but i also feel like we sort of limit women or the idea of a goddess into this like one singular archetype so i was interested in like what but what if you're venus and you're not white or you're not straight or you're not thin or you're not docile you're messy you're loud you know um that's also a goddess and so that in itself led to like that idea of like rebel. And I was just like, you know, I feel like all women are rebels because our, our world has still oppressed us so much. So us having this conversation right now, we're all like rebel and Venuses. So this idea of like, I think a, a woman owning her story and her freedom, her body, her right to just be, that that is still a rebellious act but it's like the most fucking goddess thing you could do so agreed yeah yeah stand a new power right? yeah and it yeah. is yeah. and it is friday yeah. so it is venus day today correct yeah. so marissa okay. 
when I mean, so I mean, when did you, in in essence, come out? When did you realize your that you were different? Not saying it's worse, but just different. Oh yeah, um, it, it's funny, like the different thing because it was it was always so confusing. Um, I liked girls from like very traditionally early on. I remember being in elementary school in some grade and liking like the girl. Um, and that was my trajectory. And then it started to confuse me though, because all my friends in like sixth grade, they started to like boys. And then the boys also liked me. So it was like this confusing thing and representation in the late nineties, like that, that wasn't there. Right. So it was mm -hmm. like, but I'm, I'm not gonna, do, I didn't know how to be what I wasn't. Um, so I didn't come out. I came out finally in college, but it was, the thing was, is I had, I had a girlfriend in high school and everybody found out we were, it was a secret and we were in this like arts high school that was very liberal, but for some reason it was okay for the boys to be gay and out, but not the girls. Everybody made fun of the girls. And then people found out about me and my girlfriend and we were both in dance at the time. And, um, like there was so much slut shaming around it. They were like, oh, that's what you two do to like get boys. And that's why you have boyfriends. And it was like so much shit in that. Um, so like I came out for a little bit and then I sort of like went back in this bisexual journey, which I very much like don't regret, but it was also so interesting because it was, there was, I remember like walking one day with my husband at the time and crying because I saw like two women holding hands. And I was like, I miss being gay because I was out for 10 years, but I honestly got like, it's so weird. It's so like, it's not, it's like a weird victim thing. I would get this attention from guys and it was just very confusing because I wouldn't get the attention from women that I wanted. And so I was like, well, if this is where I'm going to get, I'm going to make this work. And like, I'm saying this in retrospect. So it wasn't then like I came out again as a second time <laughs> as an adult, um, in the last like few years, which was more about for me, not to anybody else. Everybody knew I had dated women before very seriously. It was just more of like, I'm actually not very bisexual. I'm, I'm pretty gay. And um, it's interesting being like a femme. That's like, I've had this conversation before. There's this, like, sometimes I say like, I wish I was a little more masculine. So then like, I never say that. <laughs> I never say that. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I have never said I want to be masculine. Nope, I like being a girl. But, the, but those am... girls do clean up. I mean, it is hard for very feminine women um, to be lesbians because, um, because again, women judge women, right? Yep. So gay women have their yep. own idea of what a gay woman is. And, um, oh, you must be straight because you, quote, unquote, look straight, mm -hmm. which is so ridiculous yes. and so much profile. <laughs> it's like, what is straight look yeah. like? And like dating, I've ten the women that I've dated have tended to also be feminine. So there's just there's also a lot of slut shaming from the world. Ding 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 I mean, ding. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everybody it's has this stereotype of like well, especially in certain cultures. Um Latin mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Latin's always ninety percent of the time you'll always see butch femme. In the African American community, butch femme. Mm -hmm. So there are certain cultures that it's still kind of that traditional role play. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, and yes. you know, I go ahead. I, the, the two beauty pageants, uh, the Fabiola Mariana, I was so like when they came out as married, these two beauty pageant Hispanic, very feminine women, 
I was just like, I couldn't get enough of it. What was interesting though, was even my thought was like, maybe this is a publicity stunt because it's too good to be true. This can't be real. Like these two types of, I don't, I still am not used to seeing women, two women like that, just being in love with each other for no endorsement for nothing other than- <laughs> Because that is it's society, it's cultural mm-hmm. stereotypes, yeah. it's media mm-hmm. stereotypes. Yeah, whenever Whenever you're on TV, yeah. Or in the movies, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to show, I mean, I don't know about now, but if you're showing gay couples, lesbians, there's always one masculine and one very femme, mm-hmm. you know? Even in the, even in like the boy, even in gay guys, you know, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. one is more effeminate yeah. and one is more masculine. Yeah, you, never, you, never, see, you yeah. never see two very masculine women together really either. No, but it does yes. exist. Yeah. I mean, I know it That's does true. exist because Robin Tyler who was on the show, mm-hmm. I mean, she specifically said, I'm a butch and I'm attracted to butch women. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, you know, it's still in my head. Yeah. It's a disconnect, yeah. you know, because I, mm-hmm. I mean, my first partner was Costa Rican, so I was the femme and she was the butch. Um, and then my second relationship, it was me as the femme and I, she was Cuban. <clears throat> and, she, and I've lived, you know, I was with her for 18 years and she was a pretty Cuban, mm-hmm. but there was that energy. And it was always, mm-hmm. you know, like if I, I, I could never forget this, and this is a while back, like I used to have the fake nails, right? And sometimes you just want to take them off to let your nails breathe. Mm-hmm. And she would sit there and go, oh, what, you going butch? Oh my God, <laughs> you fucking Cuban, misogynistic lesbian. No, I'm letting my, why am I explaining this to you? No, I'm not going butch. But it was that yeah. mentality, you know, you know, and then after I broke with her, then I've only dated femmes since. I mean, mm-hmm. sporty femmes, uh, you know, <clears throat> sporty, which are, you know, like, I don't know what they are. They just but, live in leggings. Yes, but I have to say, and this is personal. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. That's the first thing I can do. They're all in Lululemon pants. No, and the thing is, it's so funny. It is very funny because, you know, I I consider myself a school, although I'm not in, I don't do that again. But I have never, ever, and I will say this with conviction, I have never been attracted to to a, a, a woman that is masculine. Like like the whole shebang, like Leah Delaria or or that type of man. Mm. Because I always sit there and go, they are very masculine. If I wanted, this is just my opinion and my opinion only, how I feel. If I wanted to be with someone like that, and they're very nice people, I'm sure, I would rather be with the man with the real dick, to be quite honest. Okay, that's bottom, and I don't even like dick. But if I had a choice, <laughs> I would go to do that as yeah. opposed to that. That makes sense. But also... You know, being sick, going to be 60, it was a whole different time when I came out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and a lot of me not wanting to be at the time, and I guess, you know, I'm sure like the lesbian feminists will be very upset with me actually admitting this, and I don't care, is I would, I never wanted anyone to know I was gay. And by being with someone that looked like a man, you mm-hmm. had a fucking boom, oh, yeah. lesbians. Mm. And I quite frankly didn't want to get, you know, pushed in the alley. Sure. I, I just was playing it safe because I was worried. 
Mm-hmm. Now that's a horrible thing to say, yeah. you know, but that's that's super normal though. It's Internalized normal. homophobia is real as fuck. Like oh, it's it it's yes. so yeah. real. It's just it is like and the self hate. It's like or projected hate. Um, it's it's so it's like it's so crazy to again we don't have this idea we don't there's so it's so new and it's still rare that there's like the world or the media saying that this is okay right or that you're okay or yeah like two feminine women can be together two masculine women can be together that there are these like um if we go beyond this like patriarchal idea Mm -hmm. of what it's supposed to be like like that's usually for me with like because I can, I find, I can definitely have found myself attracted to non-binary androgyny as long as it doesn't have. I'm not attracted to like it's so like toxic masculinity. Like, don't give me like this dude vibe of like Mm-mm. we're gonna play out these roles. And I'm, you know, um, it's so like the movie Tar was so interesting to me because there are a lot oh of I just saw that yeah like this <clears throat> like it's like sometimes especially the character and like the world that she operated in which i'm super familiar with right it's like you're already like she wanted to she was always competing against these toxic men in her industry and in the world and in her sexuality so it's like it's it's like the the sub the her mind instead of fighting it was just like became it mm-hmm. you know from like yeah. the way she gets her suits tailored to how she treats women and she's so oblivious to it because she's been so consumed with trying to one up these shitty horrible fucking dumb men yeah you know (laughs) but it's like yeah and so many of us are all like sort of trying to to, but we don't realize it but Mm -hmm. we're doing that that's when like women will hate on other like sex workers and stuff because we haven't how it is it like unbrainwashed ourselves? How yes. about women Same hate idea. on other women? Forget about sex workers. They mm-hmm. just like even in corporations, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, yeah. <clears throat> you know, there's backbiting with women against women in corporations because yeah. it is doggy dog. The men are at the top and it's kind of like sport for them. Throw two women in, let them fight for one role yeah. and let's see who wins. And they do that like, like consciously. Yeah, too. they do it consciously. Mm-hmm. They do. But if the women came together, they would obliterate this one or even two other men. And that's like the, the like together, like that, like the book, like I just like friendship, like the power of women coming together beyond your sexual orientation, but just like the sisterhood, like being like this shit's really fucked up for all of us. Like, mm-hmm. let's stop playing their game and like come together, like because. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say we're smarter or more emotionally advanced, but I do think that we have different skill sets. And if we like took the time to own them, it's like, but here's the deal. Superpower. We have Mm -hmm. been, women have been oppressed in society for years. So instead of chest beating and everything else, you know, we also have become more vulnerable, more intimate. And we've sat like there was always a circle of women, you know, and I think because we've been oppressed that we think more than we speak. See, guys, I think talk. They talk more. They don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah, so yeah. is it smarter? You know, they just react where women think before they react. And then there's people like me that, you know, I just react sometimes. But I mean, the point is, is that there's more thought in it, in what mm. we do. Do I do think women are smarter? I, you know, I don't know if men or women are smarter, but I just know that women take more time and are more methodical in thinking things out and throwing that emotion in there where I think mm. sometimes men are completely devoid. Yeah. And that's like a benefit, too. It's like 
that grass is always greener. It's like using, like learning to use what you're on. Like if you're out on the field and you have four wooden sticks to make your tent, like make your tent with the four wooden sticks. So it's like, if as women, we have these tools and assets, it's like, I don't know. It, we just are so, we've gotten so used to believing somebody else's truth about ourselves. So like demystifying that. It's like not letting somebody else, a man or anybody tell us, like who we are, what we're capable of. Yeah, I mean, you or know, that like Catholic I can school sit in another. Yeah, I, yeah. And I <laughs> I've I've been another... told I was going to hell from like birth. You know. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember sitting in church and being like, "This is bullshit." Like, I'm not. Well, I'm going to hell because I'm female. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, this this church is very pretty, and I like the stained glass. But like, I always got. In I don't trouble. agree with any of this nonsense. So, Marissa, <laughs> when you came out, I guess the first time, obviously, I mean, it really wasn't a coming out. Okay, um, it seemed you seemed to be like you married, like for like a real marriage, is oh, right? Oh, well, I got I got married. I came out to my no, I did. I came out like in college, sophomore year. I told my family, my friends, that I was a lesbian, and I dated two women seriously in those 10 years like one for five years the other one for three years um and then other girls in between and um and then I met this guy and it was like it was really hard my last relationship with a woman and I did it clicked with him um and it worked to a point it, it I couldn't get that physical um attraction which was so sad in the end because apart from the physical thing like and now we are we're good we're like best friends um, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't click. Um, but I really, again, from my own internalized homophobia and the journey that I went on, I was like, well, I'm just bisexual. That's what this means. And since the divorce and the journey that I've been on since that, um, kind of owning it and like reshouting it out, like at my mom who was like unfazed either way. She's like, you already came out. And I was like, no, I'm just saying this. Like, I'm coming out like, again, just to remind <laughs> you. Coming out again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like I was like crying about it and like being all emotional and she's like so you're just telling me you like hot women no big deal and I was like got it okay <laughs> bigger for me than it was like for yeah. her and my friends it was like the second time the like one is like a, like it, as a more grown adult has been really more for me but, um, but the thing is, you know, yeah. being gay and coming out and the whole only child stigma, which was me, mm. I, when I came out to my parents, I was more freaked out than they were because I felt I was going to be a failure to them because they mm. weren't going to get grandchildren. They weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to have that big freaking, you know, Italian wedding, you know what I mean, with a thousand mm. people that nobody really wanted there but you had to have them there, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I felt that, you know, I was there I, I I failed as a child and I've always been I think most only children, uh, I think Sheena gets this too, is yeah. you know, we are, you know, we're we're the black sheep. And then, you know, we're, we're everything. We, we can be the black sheep. We can be this. But nonetheless, I think as an only child, you want your parents to be proud of you. And you don't mm. want to be a failure. And then having, on for me, it was like I knew how much my mother, at least, wanted a grandchild. And this is before, like, people could adopt and stuff. I mean, before it was, like, sort of open. I realized, I mean, I felt like I failed my parents, 
you know, mm-hmm. and then it became a joke later on. You know, my mother was, well, adopt. I said, you're 88 years old. How much more you got time in your life? I, I, you know, I'm good. And I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'll take you somewhere. I'll take you to somebody's house. You play with their baby. But, but, but the point, but the thing is, you know, it, there was so much pressure talking about an only child, just in general. It's, there's so much pressure. And that's why, like, in the beginning, I think when we talked, is like, you know, when you're growing up, I, I, I got so many, I, God, I hate the word, but I was given so many opportunities that a lot of people didn't, you know, because of being an only child, you know, and it was fabulous. I didn't want brothers or sisters. I didn't. I really could care less, didn't matter. Where I, where it was difficult was like my father passed in 2011, but I still had mom. It was my mom passed two years ago. And that is where I, and then I brought her to, from New Jersey and I had her live with me for six years and I took care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is where I probably would only say that at that point in my life that I regretted being an only child because it was mm-hmm. so mentally, I mean, I, I could do whatever I wanted with my mom. I would loved it. But mentally, it was torture for me mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, she was coming to an end and quite frankly, I'd be alone which you know leads to something that happened today which I don't feel like talking about right now but it's that <clears throat> that's what I'm saying it's like as you get older and um you know and I don't have a partner do you have a partner now Marissa currently no okay so it's you know it's it's and but I don't want to like glob on to somebody just to glob on to them because you know, no, you know, I did that. that we like all I've have. No, no, no. That. We all look. If you're, I mean, it looks. Doesn't matter if you're straight or gay. You know what I mean. Yeah. You go in periods of your life where you're lonely or you feel, and you just cling on, just to satisfy mm-hmm. something. And then as you get older, hopefully, some people, some people, realize that it's better to be alone, and 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 clear and free and independent than to be within a relationship where you lose who you are because you're acting out of your fear of not wanting to be alone. There's always a difference, and I think we all agree because we've talked Mm -hmm. about it. There's a difference between being alone and lonely. Oh, yeah, Yeah. definitely. You know, I had such an opposite, I think, experience than you, Gayanne, in the sense that um, my mother was such a free spirit, right, born in 1933, who was pushed down and forced to conform by her mother to do all these things she didn't want to do, including getting married. Then I think the example I saw when I was growing up was don't do things because people tell you you have to. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get married. You don't have to have kids. You don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to be straight if you don't want. Just You don't have to stop being an artist. Just do your thing and be happy because her life was basically ruined and all of her individuality was taken away Mm -hmm. by her own mother forcing her to become this subservient handmaid that she wasn't you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it killed a part of her and i saw that dying happening Mm -hmm. and so um you know i i understand exactly what you're both saying and i i get it but i think we as women now as strong independent feminists who do not judge our sex worker friends we need to now say you know what fuck that like we're not i'm not we're not playing that we're gonna do just what we want to do and not yeah. feel like we have to do something. I mean, I think now that gays can get married, our gay friends pressure us to get married more than yep. anybody else. Ding, ding. Or, or they may, you know, I had a friend who got married and I was having a conversation with them and they've only been married a few years. And 
when I said something like, you know, I understand, you know, I, I was in a relationship for 18 years with somebody, 19 years with someone, and they turned around to me and said, but you weren't married. You want to know? Um, I went from zero to 60 going, you are you fucking kidding me? For 18, 19 years, I lived as a married couple. And don't fucking tell me it wasn't because we weren't married. We weren't allowed to get married because if we were to get married, we probably would have got it. So do not diminish my 18, 19 years with your couple of years of fucking being married. Fuck you. Right. I mean, exactly. I didn't say that. That was the thought bubbles in my head. I was very nice when I yeah. said it. <laughs> but that was but that was that was but that was the, yeah it was nice um but that was the thought bubble yeah but that's but that's what i'm saying is like you know um you know i've been told recently that i'm too independent as if it's a bad thing yeah, I don't know why people I mean, say that like, like it's a bad you've thing. heard it right yeah. oh, you're yeah. too independent yeah. well yeah you know, you'll never get you'll never get a girlfriend. You're too independent. You're too set in your ways. Well, then that obviously must not be the right person for me. Exactly. Because that I would like weird. I would like to have someone that is just as independent. Yeah, exactly. That is not codependent. That is independent. That that I'm not going to ask to change. I'm not going to give somebody rules and regulations of mm -hmm. how you should live. You know what? Because that's molding someone to what you want them yeah. to be. And that means you don't really like them in the first place. Exactly. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Cara, from the straight woman in the room? Well, well the other straight woman in the room. <laughs> I do think one should expect your partner to grow because I think relationships are to grow and that's why you come together. Very often it's like serendipity. It's the universe. You're there to do something together which is going to help you both become better people. Right. Mm -hmm. But just because you get married from the woman who's been married how many times? Four. Four. <laughs> Is that the you know? The second one was nice. Yeah, good. but what the point is is you know we also have this <laughs> this this thing from wherever that once you marry, you have to stay married. And I was left going, no, that's why there's divorce oh, yeah. because you can marry X, and you could be extremely happy in your twenties. But then you know what? If you're mm -hmm. a person who evolves and grows you change so maybe that person doesn't grow with you and i think that's right. what that's you're what trying I'm to saying. say yeah. Yeah. that doesn't grow with you so it doesn't mean you have to stay married you break up and then you maybe find the next person to take you on your journey and then the next person and mm -hmm. i find it to be a wonderful thing it's so funny because my mother said my mother always said to me you know if you were straight you'd be the kind of girl that would probably have five or six husbands because and i, I i'm like she goes i, I well, no, not at once. But yeah. like that I would because I get bored so easily. I get married every decade. I okay? like to be challenged <laughs> and I don't like to just sit and be complacent. If someone who is my partner, including friends, I think anything that's considered a relationship, if they if they're not I won't say challenging in a negative way, but if they don't like and if they bore me, then I I already have moved on. I've already have grown out of it. And it's time for me to move on to, you know, like we, I've always said this, I'm not the one who made this up, but your, what is it? Your vibe, your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. And, like you know, and, and it's so much like with us, with people, is we get so complacent and so used to a situation, whether it's a relationship or a friendship or mm -hmm. even work, um, that it's, we choose to sometimes stay in unhealthy situations because mm -hmm. it's better to know that, what is it? It's better to something with the devil you know than the devil you don't know. Yeah. Whatever well, I would that say about is. my third husband, yes. better than Neville you know than 
<laughs> dead Neville. He's dead now. Oh, he's dead? Dead. Dead Neville. I have a dead husband, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> How old am I? Well, as long as you didn't cause his death, we're good. <laughs> no, that was quite far away. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's just so much to say for complacency, you know. Um, we all do it. I still do it. You know, I mean, you know, there are things, you know, look, one thing, I have to say one thing that I've never been bored of is my job. I mean, I still, I started there in 1989. I am still fortunately there to this day and every day. I look forward to going, and it's always a great adventure. That's the only constant in my life that I have not outgrown. Fabulous. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. And you have an exciting, challenging job, too. I mean, it's always changing. That's the only reason. That's the reason why I think it suits me well, because I think if it was like a, you know, a freaking accountant, not that there's anything wrong with them, but, you know, know, my, my, my path, you know, look, I wanted to be like, look, look, look at my life path. I wanted to be a madam. Yeah, that check, (laughs) that didn't work. Then I wanted to be an actress, singer in a rock band. Yeah, that didn't quite work out. Um, You know, and then, you know, and then I went to law school. Well, that is the most, one of the most repressed things. And I graduate. I'm like, I don't give a crap. I'm not practicing. I'm not taking the bar. And then I got in the music business. And then from the music business, I got into, you know, TV. So, you know, there's always that outlet. I always needed creativity, no complacency. And the beautiful part about being in the entertainment industry is, at least in TV, is yes, when a show is on, some of them have longevity and it's wonderful and you form a family. But then, like, there's a million other shows and stuff coming, so you're always meeting new people. It's always, it's, and it's fabulous. So I encourage, if you can't get in the entertainment business and that's your thing, do it. Yeah, I do love that too as an artist. Like, it's just always something that I, I've tried not being an artist and it just fails every time. <laughs> I can't, I love it. It's very exciting having those light bulb moments but also just always working with different people it's fun right it is it's exciting there's always some and like i find i think we all find like our our anchors like a mentor people that you just always you know collaborate with or stay in touch with for whatever reason but yeah i would not feel well without that sort of stimulation you know for sure i think relationships is, is different i'm good like at monogamy as long as it's like an, like a, a communicative, you know, exciting person who also likes the same sort of, you probably just need to meet somebody who likes jump, you know, like the same type of things that you do and wants like a two-year relationship most. Yeah, the problem is most 60-year-olds are ready to move to Palm Springs. Not so much me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what else is on your plate? We're starting to wind down. I mean, A, you were such a delight. I would love for you to be yeah. back on. Um, don't hang up after we go off air because I would like to get your phone number because I'd love to talk to you. But um, you know, what's, what's, what's like, first of all, where can people find you? Oh yeah. I'm on, um, social media at Marissa Almanick. Pretty simple. It's my name. First, middle, last. <laughs> and, um, I have the website rebel and Venus. So like anything with the book or where I'm going on the book tour, that's all there on that website also. So what, besides the book and besides the dancing, what else is what else is on your plate? Like what 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 do you what else do you think you want to do? Oh my gosh. Um 
I eventually, because I've done it a lot uh, as a choreographer, I've also screen. I don't know, like when I say screen dance outside of the, the dance world, that's like dance for camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always really loved that. I've directed the festival. I started the festival in Miami. Um, and so I want to find my way behind the camera somehow. And that might be with writing. That might be with dance. But camera keeps coming to me. I, I just sort of let those things happen. Dance is, is interesting because I just had my fourth knee surgery eight weeks ago. Oof. So the way I used to dance and move Ouch. my body, it's just, it's, I'm going through that transition. And um, so that's not calling to me the way that it, it has for the last decade. And I've made my super peace with that. So aside from healing my leg, <laughs> um, yeah, I've been, I, and I have like, I have my old cameras. I've been playing with them again. But I'm also writing, so somehow those two are going to blend again. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Again, don't hang up yet. I appreciate okay. you. Um, you're Like I said, you're a delight. You're so much fun, and you're Cuban. Thank you. So, you know, at least <laughs> part Cuban, and, and that, that touches my heartstrings. You look um, like you should be in West Side Story. Yeah, she could be. Yeah, that's. I I feel like you should burst into song. You like to be in America. <laughs> You've got that going I'm on, baby. Secret, I'm a secret singer. That's what I'm going to start. That's what I'm going to do next. I'm going to start a band. Oh, a band. band. Okay. okay. I'm, a, I'm a drummer if you need any help. Oh, wow. <laughs> let's yeah. go. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, And let's go around the table. Cheryl, where can people find you? Oh, gosh. Uh, such a great show tonight. Thank you, Marissa. Um. You guys can catch me on my website, mediumcheryl.com. And that always sounds my, like a coffee. I'm sorry. What, Medium <laughs> Cheryl? Yeah. <laughs> social, social channel at Medium Cheryl. And then Sheena Metal? And I'm uh, extra large Sheena. You <laughs> <laughs> macchiato. <laughs> You're a macchiato. <laughs> I'm, I'm Trenta Sheena. I'm at uh, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com, and I'm everywhere on social media at SheenaMetal. Come find me. Wonderful. Thanks, Sheena. Um, Cara Noble. I am a whole milk latte. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, whatever. But I am actually a landlady now. Yes, I'm you are. I'm about to be. Yes. I'm excited about that. It's taken a while. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go into it. I yeah, will not. And a half. What a nightmare. And then we have Ammo a Day. I am on Instagram at the Fitness Witch LA and websites. We're working on that, but that's where you can find me right now. Cool. Yeah. Um, we will be back here on Friday, September 22nd. Um, I have no guests, and I may not. I may just have a show with just the girls. We haven't I'll had- be in London. Sorry. It's okay. Well, we haven't had someone, we haven't had that in a while. And then I'm looking at September. I think September 6th we're on. October, you mean. October, October sorry. October 6th we're on. Um, and then October 20th. And, oh, no, shit. We can't do October 20th because I will be on my first cruise um, Ooh, from October. Cruise? No, gay. Um, <laughs> October 16th through the 23rd. So I've got to talk to Tony about when we can move that. But um, <clears throat> but anyway, so thank you all for joining us. I appreciate you tuning in and sharing and doing all this stuff um, to help promote the show. Have a happy weekend, a safe weekend, and we will see you back here on September 22nd. Thank you, and as always, be safe, be well, and namaste.